from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com. We're not good at death. We're good at wakes. The, The Irish are brilliant at wakes. There's no doubt about it and to me they have their place and I hope they they stay around for a long, long time. But we're not good at grief and we're not good at dealing with our own grief or anyone else's. You know when people sort of sympathise with you and you know people would say to me, oh I'm so sorry about Trina, oh it's awful, it's really dreadful, Um, how's your mummy and daddy? and you always sort of felt overlooked. Those five stages were more about the, the stages that the terminally ill page, patient went through before they died, not, not, not the griever after th- that loved one oh. passed away. So over the years it has, it has sort of got um, misconstrued and one of them was, uh, well actually there was two, one was grief is love and the other was grief is love with nowhere to go. Sibling Grief Club website was launched in July by sisters Maeveen, Adele and Cathy McNabb after the sudden death of their younger sister Trina in 2017 after a misdiagnosis. While trying desperately to cope in the months and years after Trina's death, the family found there was little or no support for adult siblings after bereavement or else it cost an arm and a leg. This is your host Elaine Ingram and you've just been listening to Maeveen who tells us all about her sister Trina and her legacy that is the free website set up by her grieving sisters, Sibling Grief Club. Hello Maeveen, Um, it's lovely to meet you. Um, I'm Elaine. Um, we're here today because we want to talk about your group that you have called um, Sibling Grief Club. Now, obviously, the, the the topic of why you exist at all is, you know, not not a pleasant one, but it's something that you set up um, after your sister Trina passed away in 2017, I believe, and um, I think what I read is that you felt that there was you know there was no support out there for siblings yeah so this is how you and your two sisters uh, Adele and Kathy um, came about came up with this idea of setting up um, a website and a club which incidentally I think it's a we talk about that later but I think that's a a lovely name for it Um, so maybe you'd want to start by telling us a little bit about Trina yeah and what happened if, if if you want, if you're able to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So Trina was the youngest, um, or is the youngest, of four girls. Um, Edel is the oldest, then there's me, Cathy and Trina. And we were always known um, as the two oldest ones were known as the two big ones, and the two youngest ones were known as the two wee ones. So Cathy and Trina made up the two wee ones, and they were spoilt rotten. Um, but they were very cute. Uh, Trina was just doted on from the day she came into our lives. She was just such a cute wee thing. We chubby cheeks, big blue eyes, and we called her Trina, Trina, pretty ballerina, which she absolutely hated because she was quite, <laughs> she was a bit of a tomboy. Um, 
so yeah, we grew up uh, in Dromore, County Tyrone. Uh, we ha- had a rural upbringing, uh, carefree. Our summers were long and happy and full of muck and hay and silage and, and all of that. And, and it was, you know, a blissful childhood. We really had no uh, worries or strife in our life. You know, we definitely were very blessed. Um, we're all very close, we're very close-knit family. Um, Trina was a big one for family occasions. She was a big one for helping us all. Um, she was the organiser of the family, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. yeah, she very much so was, and she could organise um, oh, anything that she put her mind to, and her occasions were just so special and so, no, I wouldn't say elaborate, but she covered everything, you know, all the wee tiny wee details that nobody else would think of doing, she would have it done. Um, and she put her heart and soul into everything that she did, uh, particularly for her friends and family and for her work. Um, so throughout Trina's twenties, she would have been um, ill a lot of a lot of her twenties with a bowel condition um, called Crohn's. Yeah. Um, but she had got that under control. Um, she had been seeing a consultant in Belfast. She'd spent a lot of time in hospital there. Um, but really had no issues for the last few years of her life um, and in the October of 2016 she complained of feeling crampy and um, just you know unwell and went to her doctor and consultant and they all diagnosed a gastro bug and she was very very sick uh, for for months really and Christmas time um, I suppose was the crisis point um, but the doctors were adamant that she had this gastro bug and that she was just going to have to sort of set it out, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she just felt dreadful. She just felt that she was such a nuisance to everyone. She couldn't get well. She couldn't get back to work. And this was so the opposite of what her personality was, like to be, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, she hated being idle. Yeah. She would love to have been up and about and probably would have been doing a lot more than, say, potentially you or I could do with the same level of sickness because she operated at such a high level throughout her whole life. She probably was borderline OCD. Um, and she was it. fit too. She was into her football and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. Well. She was fit. She never carried any weight. Um, yeah, she was fit as a fiddle. Um, but in February... Um, I had taken time off work. Mum was taking care of Trina more or less full time for about four weeks at that time from January. So in February, I took some leave from work to help her. And it was just one day we just thought, no, enough's enough. Um, we rang for an ambulance and the ambulance took her to a hospital in Enniskillen. Um, on the Tuesday and yeah, they were still treating her with anti-sickness medication. Um, that it was this gastro bug um, but by the time they realised that it wasn't actually a gastro bug it was too late and she passed away on the Sunday night Monday morning um, so six five and a half six days from she had went in so that was just so sudden yeah you know to not have any inclination at all that it was that serious yeah no we had no idea absolutely no idea um oh god it was it was just it was really really traumatic yeah 
Um, and the suddenness, the unexpectedness um, of, of her death uh, was just so hard to deal with, really, really difficult to sort of um, get your head around. Yeah. Probably, I don't like to compare, but probably much like an, an accident or you know, yeah. a road traffic accident where one minute everything's fine and then the next, bang, you know, yeah. she's gone. Um, so look, there's there's actually there's an inquest ongoing into her death. Um, we've been doing that now, so that's four and a half years ago. Trina died, and we've been doing that for about three and a half years. So we've been going up and down to the coroner's court in Belfast, or the coroner's office, I should say, um, for that length of time, and we go for preliminary hearings, and there's reports asked for there's interviews which kind of, of makes it hard for you to have I know I don't like the word closure but um, it's you know because this is uh, you, you know you can't just lay it to rest as such when there is ongoing questions about what actually happened yeah yeah I mean does that make, I, don't, I don't know I'm not putting words in your mouth does that make it more difficult yeah it does because it's very challenging um, doing that so it it does take a lot out of you. Um, the coroner's court and the staff are amazing. They really do um, try to make it as easy as possible. But there is an element of, of reliving um, yeah. aspects of because her Because you illness. have to go over and over it. Yeah, yeah well, you, you, and you have to hear about it. And you just have to put yourself back there. But I suppose as a family, we have a, a great confidence in like the, that we feel that we know what happened um, because we were there with Trina every step of the way. We saw everything that happened and what didn't happen. Um, and Trina was very uh, clued in, you know, due to her illness through her 20s. She was very clued in with her own body. She was very clued in with her own um, sort of, um, you know, medical stats. Yeah. So when she was hooked up to machines, she knew exactly what was good and what was bad. And, and she was telling us, you know that things weren't good um, she told us that she felt that you know things were shutting down and to be honest it was the weekend there was very little staff on there was certainly no senior doctors there to make decisions about Trina's care and we were left in the situation where junior doctors who were being left to carry the can basically we're just so afraid of making decisions about her care yeah. um, in case it would make her worse. Um, and that really delayed the time that she got to intensive care. Um, and she didn't get to intensive care until 12 o'clock uh, midnight on the Sunday and she died four hours then after that. Um, so yes, while the coroner's court will explore all that further and we'll go into a lot more um detail as to the her condition and and the the blockage in her bowel we do feel that um you know had decisions been made um a bit more promptly that um trina would still be alive so does that make it a lot harder for you when you think that maybe her death could have been prevented oh god yeah yeah it does and i think everybody that has lived through that experience whereby through for whatever reason um 
someone has died needlessly, yeah. then it's incredibly uh, painful. Um, but we rallied as a family, we rallied as a community. And the one thing about um, living here in Ireland is the Irish Wake, which is, you know, so beneficial um, for families like yeah. us. Um, because, you know, we didn't have Trina home with us until the Wednesday and you know there's a lot of um, practical things that have to be put into place the funeral arrangements and because everything here happens so quickly you know the family are in shock the family are just reeling um, you really do depend on your wider family your friends your neighbours your community and we were so blessed in that that we had those people there to hold us up and even having yeah having the, the Irish traditional Irish wake where you have the houses full for for a few days and it just delays that time where you're alone and you get to it it allows it to maybe sink in slightly. I know it's not that helpful, but I mean it must be helpful in some way that the house yeah. is full and there are people around, yeah. even if they're not doing or saying anything, just to have people there. Yeah, very much so. Um, particularly the, those first few days, and my experience was that I didn't want to be alone. I needed people around me because, you know, I suppose this is sort of what Sibling Grief Club is all about because grief isn't just about being very, very sad. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fear, anxiety, panic, um, just completely, just feeling totally out of it, feeling totally... Um, not even alone but helpless maybe yeah helpless but also really really vulnerable yeah um and i find that really difficult because i don't think it up until that point ever felt vulnerable in my life luckily um and that was a really scary place to be so the more people i used to beg people to not go not don't leave stay um but people weren't going anywhere for those first few days, the first few weeks. God, our, our house didn't empty for maybe three or four months. Um, you know, we have a big family, huge big family on both sides. Um, my mum and dad both come from, from big um, families. And our community were very, very involved in it. Trina was very involved in it. So everybody rallied. Um, and you have so much to do as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of admin that comes with a death. It's a horrible way to to describe it, but you know, things like bank accounts, yeah, you know, her her belongings, her car, her job, um, all of that um required us to to, you know, take action and, and carry out tasks, which is incredibly difficult as well. I'm sure it must be yeah. being able to function. Um is 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 really difficult um so probably for the first year um two years even it, it really took me that long to um function at any sort of a normal level again um there's still things i can't do um like i can't watch television i can't you know t television programs that her and i would have watched together yeah. um I don't think I've been to a football match since she died. Um, and my my eldest boy Pierce, he plays, and I just I can't go because that was something 
that we shared and there's just a lot of anxiety plus there's a lot of people that you know are there um, and there's a certain amount of avoidance because when you meet people that you know it's like oh, they're gonna ask me how I am and you know, I, need, can't deal with I need to keep it together for this yeah. occasion or event or whatever it may be but um, yeah books we love books things like that I can't can't do that certain certain songs on the radio it's, it's just it's just so much more grief and loss um, it's just so much more than I ever imagined it to be um, to the point that I really was frightened for me um, you know for my mental health yeah um, I was very conscious that I was just teetering on the edge I suppose sorry um, because living without her is really difficult and uh, I was just so afraid that you know I was um, maybe having a nervous breakdown or have some sort of a mental break um, and I just I, I couldn't I couldn't let that happen that was just one thing I was just I can't let this happen you know my family need me you know I have kids um, and my parents um, need me and I need to stay well so I uh, started then looking for help um, it genuinely was about two years down the line maybe wee bits and pieces I had looked at before but it was all books and I couldn't read you know it was taking me like you know maybe half an hour to get the same sentence to sink in to understand what it was so books weren't an option for me um, and I just I searched grief there retreats. was nothing out there yeah there was nothing there anything that was out there like grief retreats I just wanted to sort of get away just find peace and solitude um, somewhere but it was just it was beyond um, affordable for me um, and there was nothing online so I'd get really excited and I'd find something for bereaved siblings but online and I would realise then quickly that it was for children um, and there was really nothing for bereaved adult siblings so I just I, I did I suppose the seed was planted then but I didn't yeah. I didn't act on it I probably still didn't have the capacity to act on it so when I was pregnant with my second boy last year um, because COVID everything was locked down and uh, my husband and I were doing antenatal classes online and we had this amazing midwife Beth um, from England and she took us through she took us through her course it was just an online course we weren't live with Beth or anything like that so she had pre-recorded modules that just took you through each stage of pregnancy right up yeah. to labour and birth. And I was struck one evening, when we were just sitting there on the sofa, and I was struck that if I had had something like this, you know, in my early stages of grief, when I couldn't... When think, you were just floundering. Yeah, and, yeah, lost and just so out of my depth and really, really frightened. Um... 
I think something like this would have benefited me. So again, that the seed was planted. Um, Sean was born in August. Actually, he's he's one today. So this day oh, last right. year, he was born, and I was obviously on maternity leave. And I'm not going to say I had loads of time on my hands because a newborn baby. No, is, you definitely yeah. didn't have loads of time on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was just around Christmas. I just thought, you know what? I just I can't let this go on. Like I, I just felt for every person that I heard had lost a sister or a brother. I was just like, oh my God. Or anyone who had lost anyone um, close to them that they loved. I knew then what it was like. You know, I'm on the other side of it now. I know what it's like um, to lose someone. I know what you go through and it's not just like a wee bit sad and teary every now and then. And then after the first year, you know, you start putting your life back together again. It's, it's so far from that. It's it's unbelievable. And I think as a society, we're not good at grief. We're not good at death. We're good at wakes. The The Irish are brilliant at wakes. There's no doubt about it. And to me, they have their place. And I hope they, they stay around for a long, long time. But we're not good at grief. And we're not good at dealing with our own grief or anyone else's. And I strongly believe as well that we need to be taught coping skills for losing someone because you know there's one certainty in life and that is that we are all going to die we are all going to be bereaved at some point but we don't have the coping skills for it well I certainly didn't and I know from setting this up that that lots of others don't either and it, it always struck me you know what what is the point why why am I why am I struggling and floundering, as you say, to find ways to cope with this and find skills to to relieve the anxiety and, and to de-stress myself when I can't even think straight? I, I can't even string a sentence together. And here I am supposed to research all of these things that are that are going to help me. And it's it's sort of like putting the cart before the horse. You know, we, we're all at school. We all um, study some sort of pastoral care um, and if you're religious or not, you're attending church and, and mass and so on. Um, like, why are we not taught these? These are life skills that yeah. everybody needs and, you know, to have to try and sort of cope on your own after you lose someone you love is really the most lonely place to be and you could be surrounded by 300 people and you would still feel incredibly lonely and incredibly misunderstood um and i believe that everyone needs a place for their grief to go they need a place to feel that their grief belongs here that they're understood nearly even without words so for someone who has lost a sibling in in adulthood I know that they get me and I get them and there's something really powerful about that that connection that you have with someone and also being heard all a griever wants is for their story to be heard their loved one's story to be heard and for it to be understood and and validated and not sort of um, diminished in any way and I think adult siblings do feel, and, and you'll often hear them sort of uh, referred to as the forgotten mourners. Um, 
they, they definitely we, we definitely do feel forgotten about and like my, my experience hasn't been as bad as as some others but I I did have someone say to me at work saying oh, oh I didn't know you were that close to your sister which really really cut me to the bone like yeah, um, because I felt immediately that you know I had to come out with all these reasons why I was so sad and almost convince her that you know my grief was real yeah um, and then in addition to that you might have um you know when people sort of sympathize with you and you know people would say to me oh i'm so sorry about trina oh it's awful it's really dreadful um how's your mummy and daddy and you always sort of felt overlooked yeah um, and, and really not not even so much at the time because at the time my focus really was on mummy and daddy um and looking out for them and and that but after a while one of my mum's cousins from Scotland was home visiting and we I was actually dropping them off they were going on a day trip together and I was dropping them off at at another aunt's house and she said to me so how are you maybe and I, and I swear to god Elaine like it was just I couldn't even get the words out I was really really choked and I think it was then that I realized not very many people have ever asked me that and I think that's why it hit me and she's also the loveliest person um she she's a nurse and she's just got that manner you know and and she I just could hear the concern and the care and the love in her voice well, and co- coincidentally, my um, one of my very close friends just lost her sister uh, about a month and a half ago. Oh, no. And when I came across your um, when I came across your your website and everything, I first, the first thing I did was told her. I rang her up. She's in Dublin, mm-hmm. and I had been down seeing her and everything because yeah, she's a very good friend, and she's she's in that place where you mentioned. She's just doesn't she can't function. Mm-hmm. And I told her about your website and she just, she just couldn't believe it. She said, thank God there yeah. is something because she's one of those people that feels, so she's been, you know, that, that feels, yeah, left behind. She's, it was her only sister and she's just, um, yeah, she's just beyond distraught, you know. Yeah, yeah. And she will be, you know, for, for quite some time. And, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, she might find the the resource online useful, um, because obviously that's what it's there for, and that really was our motivation. Like we didn't want anyone sort of coming after us and frantically googling. Like we Google everything. We want Google to answer everything I in know, life, yeah. and grief is no different. Um, but we didn't want anybody to come after us and just be like, we we're not supposed to be sad. You know, there's nothing here for us. Whereas there's, for every type of bereavement, there is some sort of professional um, support um, or community there to serve that um, that person's need um, for support. And it's amazing. Like, you know, we have so many amazing organisations um, here in this country and, you know, it takes them all. Yeah. But there was that gap there mm-hmm. that adult siblings didn't have a space as such 
and as I said earlier, you know, we desperately need somewhere to put our to put our grief. And look, it's led by us just based on our own experiences, but we have a fantastic support team of professional grief workers yeah. who have produced the content for our online so you're courses. We're just putting it all in the one place. We're putting it all in the one place. We look after the social media community, um, which is brilliant um and so supportive and yeah we're really just we're building every day and and people are discovering us every day get ready to shake up summer with the get active abc sunshine fill program for kids and families get set for land-based adventure at our summer schemes or why not get adventurous and maybe get wet at our splashtastic water sports summer program there are so many things to do and all we need is you see getactiveabc.com summer for all the details When did you um, actually set the group up? So in February, we launched the, the social media aspect of it. So it was Trina's anniversary. And because of COVID, we couldn't do the usual sort of family get together and yeah. remember in our own way. So we launched our social media pages. So Facebook um, and Instagram on the, on the 27th. And the website launched there on the 29th of July. Yeah. So the website has loads of resources, loads of sign posting. I know you have a, it's, it's lovely actually because you describe and you also explain that, you know, people read the, the stages of grief and everything and you say that it's just, it's not linear. It's not yeah. like that, you know, no. it's not like, you know, you're going to have, this is going to happen for so many weeks and then or so many months and then after that it'll be this and then it'll be that because it's not the way it works yeah yeah and a lot of people who are confused about their feelings will relate to that yeah god definitely because before Trina died I genuinely did think that when you lose someone you love you will go through those five stages um that that are laid out and you do go through them all at some, it is at some point. Just some sort of a guideline, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, it was set up um, or it was um, developed um, by a lady called Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And she was actually working with terminally ill patients at the time. And those five stages were more about the, the stages that the terminally ill page, patient went through before they died, not... Not the the griever after that loved one passed away. So over the years, it it has sort of got um, misconstrued um, and taken out of context. And um, Kubler-Ross herself will say that, you know, she'll come out and say, look, this was never meant to be a linear process. These are um, elements of, you know, what a, a terminally ill patient goes through, but also they're similar to what you go through as a griever but not in any sort of specific order yeah um you're more likely well in my case anyway i found that i went through them all all at the one time yeah you know and i flit it back and forward and it's just chaos you know every, your whole life is chaos as you struggle to understand what is happening and that that's just takes me back to the point we need to understand what grief is before yeah. we grieve 
because we can become ill and we can become stuck um, in our in our grief, which which nobody wants to do. Um, and you can't wish away the pain. You can't uh, beg for it to stop because grief is essential. Grief is the process that you go through to heal. And I think the first thing, one of the first things anyway, that, that helped me understand my grief way, like obviously I knew that I love my sister more than probably anything in the world. She was just, you know, my life, we were extremely close. Um, I couldn't go out for a night without running every aspect of it past her first and, you know, and vice versa. She knew everything about me. I knew everything about her. And obviously that was going to make me incredibly sad, but it was, and that I was going to miss her and all of those things. But I just couldn't understand all the other stuff, yeah. you know, that, that came with it. And the first thing that I read was one, the one thing that I could read was those wee grief affirmations, uh, wee short snippets, you know, you find them on Pinterest, they're wee quotes. Yeah. And one of them was, uh, well, actually there was two. One was grief is love and the other was grief is love with nowhere to go. And just that just made sense to me. And it sounds mm. so basic, you know, now saying that and obvious that um, your grief is love. But at the time, I, I just couldn't reconcile that. And I had even, I had been to a counsellor at that stage and he kept saying to me, Oh, all I hear, I know you're expressing grief, but all I hear is love. And I remember thinking, I am going to punch you. <laughs> uh, like, I am raging here and I am so upset and you're banging on to me that it, that it's love. And But he was right. But I just, I just couldn't it's see just that. There's nowhere to direct the love because the person is... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And once I reconciled with that, that I stopped wishing my grief away. I stopped running away from it. I stopped hating it and I accepted it because, you know, if grieving meant what it would mean to love her if she was here, if that's what it took, if that was the closest thing that I could get, then I was going to take it. Mm -hmm. So over time, I have learned to live with my grief walking right beside me every day. It never goes away. Um, you're never healed or cured or fixed or any of those things. Um, but you learn to live with it. Yeah. Um, and it becomes integrated into your life. And so your life everything. has just changed forever, and you just you accept that this is now your life. Yeah. 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 Because I always accepted that she was gone. I was there beside her. You know, when she took her last breath. It's not that I was in denial about her death. Yeah. But I definitely was um, really struggling to cope with the concept of, of this really, really painful grief. Um, and it's such a cliche and everybody hates it, but um, you really do have to feel the feelings, you know, yeah. um, and that... That, that was the first but step. But it's probably a very gradual allowing yourself to feel the feelings because you take God, them yeah. out of the box slowly and, you know, one little bit at a time. Because as you said, you know, you can't, there are things that you can't do. You can't watch certain TV shows. You can't, mm -hmm. but those sort of things, are they, is it a very gradual process where you are able to um, 
you know, do things a little bit more every as the years go by? Or definitely, you know, this interview that we're um, doing now, um, and the sibling grief club that we've um, introduced a year ago, I probably wouldn't have been able um, to do it. Well, certainly a year and a half ago, um, it was two years before I felt ready to talk to someone professional counsellor and I did about six months of that um, and it was four years when I started the the community so look it's different for everyone um, you, you have to do it at your own pace yeah. but certainly in my experience it was a very gradual tentative process because if you rip too much out of that box that you were talking about there then it becomes very overwhelming very difficult to cope and you um, end up back at a taking two steps back instead of moving yeah, forward yeah 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 um definitely um and then yeah that's that's just what what grief does to you you know you do take feel as if you take 10 steps forward and then the next thing you have a really bad day and you think oh my god i was doing so well but after a while you do you come to accept that um as well and i wouldn't say that you actually welcome it but Grieving is very powerful and it 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 does give you a connection with with your person um as well because when you're having a really, really bad day, they're you know, you feel that they're right there with you, you know, they're very front and centre in your in your mind and, and life can get really busy and and that and you sort of you know, af- after this interview, this you know, Trina will her spirit the essence of her will stay with me you know for a couple of weeks and I know this because I've done a couple of podcasts now um and it's lovely it's it's difficult but it's lovely um you know and that I'm not saying that I I feel her here with me but certainly as I said her her essence is yeah so and have you had um what has the response been like you know I'm sure there were loads of people out there that were in your situation and when they came across this, however they came across your website and however they came across the whole thing, there must have been a lot of happy people out there or um, yeah, a lot people of re- that were glad they had somewhere to turn. Yeah, definitely a lot of relieved people. Yeah, um, yeah happy is definitely not the right word, but yeah, relieved, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and very quickly we realised that we were actually... Um, reaching people who had lost other significant people in their lives not just their siblings um and initially the first um sort of feedback that we were getting was there's not enough grief support in this country yeah. um there there are some really good ones um but i suppose not so much things that people can um identify with we also have, um, we actually hope to plan one now again in September if the restrictions allow, but we were able to have our first what we called walk and talk, where we invited people to meet us in a forest in County Tyrone, Knockmany Forest, and they joined us and every, it was such a lovely day. Everybody just, like it wasn't all doom and gloom, like everybody thinks, oh, anything to do with grief, it's so, so depressing. Um, it's not. It's, it can be sad, yes, when people are sharing their stories, 
but there's a lot of there's a lot of love there too and there's a lot of comfort that people get from sharing their stories with with one another um and we had a fantastic day we had a lovely wee picnic afterwards and um yeah we're hoping to do one now again in in september so yeah the, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive um so glad we found your page have just come across your page you know can totally identify uh with what you're saying you know depending on what post you put up um and the fact that it's a club i like the way you named it a club because I suppose it is a club in, in that nobody can actually understand unless they're in that situation or unless mm-hmm. it's happened to them because we can all talk about it all we want and we can people can empathise with you um, but they can't really, you know, understand unless you're a part of that the club that has yeah. actually gone through this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there is, um, I suppose, within the online community, um, there is the grief club so the overarching grief club um ours just happens to be the sibling grief club but when you're in the grief club it, it's described as being the club that nobody wants to be a member of but they're so glad to have found it um at the same time and yeah i i think the club is is a good um description for it because when you're in a club you feel like you belong exactly and, yeah and that's really important for people who are grieving um but also it there's um uh i don't know what how to describe this but we we do almost feel like a family and um, you know very few of us have met there's only yeah. a very small percentage of us who have met but you really do connect in ways through messaging um, people online um, that you really do feel as if you've developed a really good close friendship um, and that you can depend on these people so look, and you can just support each other yeah yeah very much so and 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 it's not that anybody is and, and we certainly aren't about giving people advice or fixing people or you know recommend quick fix like 10 ways to cure your grief it's it's not um, no it's probably it's more like well this happened to me today and then somebody out there goes yeah. oh my god that happened to me too yeah you know that but, that sort of a thing it's like i'm yeah. not alone in this you know yeah. Uh, yeah people sharing their their stories and their the way they are coping or not yeah. coping or whatever it might be yeah and definitely you know for all those people who are thinking oh my god like yourself my friend has just lost her brother um, or sorry, was it her, her sister? sister? Yeah, her sister. Has just yeah. lost her only sister. How can I help? What can I do? The one thing that you can do, and you can do really, really well, is just show up. Number one, show up. Yeah. Don't say, I'm here if you need me, or ring me if you need anything. You show up to that person's door and you say, okay, I'm taking you out for a coffee, or I'm going to bring around some takeaway. Um, or I'm going to clean your bathroom here or tackle your laundry. Show up. Don't say I'm here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and do nothing. Just that, that's just the only way. It. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. And also the second thing is listen. Just really listen. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to offer up any comfort and words of advice. You just say nothing and let the person talk. Yeah. And that is, that's all you need to do is just to get the grief out and your frustration or whatever is 
like on your mind that day if you can share that with someone and just get it out of your system like yeah. there, it's it's quite liberating something else will come swiftly after it and replace it but at least you've got that off your chest yeah, yeah, yeah. um and and that's just the way grief is um you can never completely cleanse yourself um from it but you do need what we call grief mates who listen without judgment interruption or advice you know yeah um and that that was really difficult part of it for me because you know Trina used to give out stink to me um about trying to fix people like that's anything that went wrong in our house um or our football club or whatever it was like tell they all called me Mav tell Mav and she'll sort it out and I always took great pride in that you know that there was nothing that I couldn't sort and just don't panic and stay calm and we'll do a b and c and all this I thought it was great absolutely thought it was great but sure it was only an Egypt you know because when it came to it the one thing that I really really wanted to fix more than anything in the world I couldn't and I was raging at myself for being so cocky and like naive at the same time that there was nothing that was infexible there was nothing that I couldn't control and having a personality like that where you are a control person that thinks that they can I mean yeah you know that must have made it even more difficult yeah not that it's not difficult for anybody but I mean when you are one of those type of people that thinks thinks they can have control of the situation oh god yeah it was and like grief will teach you so many lessons but that was a major one for me um trading used to be saying all the time Mav would you just listen to what I'm trying to tell you I don't you know I don't need you to solve this for me I just want you to listen and then I you know I really had to restrain myself um and then after she died I remember because she was like um event coordinator and child entertainer and you know she'd done all of that in her house and and her kids just adored her um I sort of felt an awful pressure to try and um, fill that gap, you know, try and make Easter as special. She used to have these Easter egg hunts. Did she have children herself? No, 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 she didn't. She didn't have children. She didn't have a partner. Um, she just moved out um, into her own her own new new house um, six weeks before Christmas. And what age was she when she died? She was 34. 34. Yeah. So young. Yeah, really young. Like she had her whole life ahead of her, especially with being so sick in her 20s. She'd missed an awful lot. Yeah. And she was really sort of starting to get back out there and socialise and, um, and, and that. And then, um, yeah, it just ended so abruptly for her. But, um, and yourself and Kathy got together, you know, you said like when you did, when this light bulb moment did come that this was needed out there. Yeah. Did um, the two of you just, um, you know, did you, and Adele as well, the, 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 the three of you, did you just get together? Did it come about like a sit down conversation or? Yeah, well, actually, again, because it was COVID um, was all going on, everything was done via Zoom. So, we had sort of like after Trina died, like lots of people, lots of groups and organizations and clubs within our community fundraised for um, in her memory. And I'll never forget mummy um, and daddy both saying that they didn't want it because they knew what I would be like um, trying to organize something, you know, in, in her memory as a tribute to her. 
Um, and I remember mummy saying, I don't want any like organization or charity set up in, in Trina's name because, you know, there's a lot of that um, sort of everywhere, you know, trusts and um, charities and things like that. And just the, t- the times that's in it. Um, and, and she felt that we had been involved in enough fundraisers down through the years ourselves. Um, and it just wasn't something that they could cope with. So I was trying to respect that in that, you know, I didn't want to um, set up anything that required fundraising. Yeah. Um, so this is all funded by us, the family. Um, we aren't a charity. We won't ever be a charity. Um, it's purely an online grief resource. It must be expensive for you, though, to... Uh, well, not so much because like the grief professionals that we have um, involved in our um, website or online online courses, sorry, um, they they did that all sort of you know pro bono. Um, there was no no charge for that. Um, just amazing support like that coming from everywhere. Our website, um, we got that at uh, reduced cost from um, Gullion Graphics. Um, so yes there's a bit of an outlay but we manage it and we manage it because of the generosity of the people that are involved um, in helping us bring it to fruition and, and we are so grateful for that um, the, the, the biggest expense probably involved is time um, and because of the nature of it you really want to dedicate as much time to it as you can and so look it's, it's really manageable at the minute um, we can sort of between the three of us, we can we can work it um, as much as we can. Um, but yeah, so I, I went to them with this idea saying, please don't shoot me down. Uh, just hear me out. I've had an idea. And they just straight away were like for it because they were in the same boat. Trina was all about helping people. Like she would, like say if she met you and um, you, you made a work together or whatever and you know, you had experienced a, a bereavement or you were just having a really crappy day at work. Like you would come in the next day and she would have a box of tray bakes baked for you. Um, she, like, her friends have, have lost loved ones and she would just go and blitz their house, like, clean it from top to bottom. She was, like, the fairy of cleaning. Right. <laughs> so she had a really given nature. She gave a lot of her heart and a lot of her time and a, a lot of herself to other people. Trina was probably way way too far down the list in terms of um her taking care of herself she got so much joy out of making other people happy um and that was just that was what she did um and this sibling grief club was a way that we could address a need um and also reflect her values and I spoke earlier about the essence of her her spirit things that were important to her um and I think we've done that she'd be she'd be proud of it that's uh, what she, she would have wanted that yeah yeah definitely and it, and it's sort of it might feel like a bit um of a self-centered venture in that it's more about us as bereaved siblings than it is about her the the one who has died um but Trina was very much hated being in the limelight, would be beavering away really busy in the background, but she'd be like pushing everybody else out the front, you know, don't have me out there. Um, and as I said, she was just that kind of a, of a person. Um, 
that this is just perfect because it it is about helping people it's not about fixing people but it's just about being there being there yeah Yeah. exactly and that's what she did like she wasn't the type of person that would say oh give me a ring if you need anything she was the person that showed up she just didn't wait to be asked um anything like that she just knew instinctively what people needed um and and she did it and I think I need to be more like that, Deirdre, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we could all take a leaf out of of her book. Um, She was just all about the good deeds. And and she didn't do it for for recognition. Like we've heard so many stories from people saying, oh my God, you know, when I was in hospital having the baby, um, Trina came into the house and cleaned it and did all my washing and ironing and she had it all decorated and balloons welcomed me home and Aww. a big bunch of flowers and a lasagna in the, in the oven. Stuff like that that we would, she would never have told us that she'd done it, you know, and, and it would have been all very, very low key. It, it, like, I'm not making her out to be a saint because she could, you know, cut you to the quick too if she wanted, like. Um, but the her her core values were about making other people happy and um helping out wherever she could and she was very very selfless in doing it so um i suppose that's a part of um grief as well is that you come to the realization that the best thing you can do for your person for that really special someone is to live. continue and continue on the, yeah. way, the way they were and bring something Li- yeah live your life in their image yeah um and and that's definitely what we try to do like i'll never be um as good a person as as she was but i, I honestly don't know where she even got the time to do what she did but we can try and yeah. um and i think that's that's really important to to all of us you know yeah. uh, the online courses that are on our website or are also on our YouTube channel. So the the first one is called um, Grief Journey. So it talks in depth about sibling grief, but it also, grief is universal. Um, yes, the relationships are, are different um, and there are sort of elements of, of each relationship that are different in that, say for example, siblings, they're the only people who you share the exact same DNA with. They are the only people who are interwoven into every fiber of your life from the very beginning. Yeah. They are the only people um, outside of your parents that that have been there from the very start. And they're also the people that you expect to be there at the very end. Like Trina and I used to joke about growing old together. Before I got married, we were both single, living at home. And I'd be saying to her, or she'd be saying to me, God, whenever we're 80, we're going to be sitting here on this sofa and you're going to be shouting at me to turn off the TV because you're deaf and you can't hear it. And I'm going to be, you know, hitting you over the head with a walking stick. And you just never expect yeah. your siblings you, I mean, to you, go. You know your parents are going to go before you, but yeah. you don't expect your siblings. Yeah, yeah particularly not your youngest when you're ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I always just, you know, you're again so naive. Like I just thought, well, like, you know, I'll go before the two wee ones, the two youngest. We all just assume that people are going to be there. People like that are going to be there forever. You know, yeah. that's just a natural assumption, yeah. I suppose. 
So the, the grief journey sort of talks you through all that, you know, why sibling grief isn't, it doesn't go into why sibling grief is worse than any other type of grief, because of course it's not. Um, it it talks you through um, the, the relationship and uh, how it affects you and how um, other people might react. And, and um, it also uh, talks about things that, that help um, and things that we can do and that's led by psychotherapist Brona Stars um, a lovely Tyrone woman too um, she talks guides us through that and there's like a series of webinars like really short no more than 10 minutes each so that it's like bite size and people can dip in and out of it as and when they feel able yeah because the concentration levels you want something short yeah, things as well like that yeah. as you said you know you're not going to be sitting there you know able to focus your mind on something definitely long and intricate yeah yeah like too much information at one time for anybody who's grieving is really overwhelming and you end up not taking it in so we've designed these specifically um for for that reason and um, to make them more manageable um, so it's definitely worth checking out and that they're all free everything is is uh, free on the on the website and then we have our mama Paul Mallon um, who is a counselor and meditation teacher um, and he leads us through what we call the grief retreat and it's very much about using meditation breathing exercises EFT tapping um, is another technique that's used particularly in the instances of uh, traumatic death but yeah there, there's loads of things out there but it's just about making it accessible and easy for people sort of breaking it down you know they don't have to sign up to this six-week course and and pay an absolute ransom um to do it that it's um just small wee bite-sized um snapshots of techniques and um aids that can can help you cope with the symptoms of grief none of this is going to make your grief go away but i suffered and still suffer with um really bad anxiety really bad flashbacks um and and paul's meditations have been just amazing just even the breathing exercise alone is enough to just really calm me down okay maybe well thank you so much for for talking to us and that's been really really informative and i'm sure you're helping an awful lot of people out there that are listening will be checking out the page and looking at the website and and those seminars that you were talking about and um, hopefully going on your when when the restrictions lift you'll get another one of those days out oh yeah yeah that'd be great yeah i would really look forward to those now but thank you so much as well Elaine, for for giving us the opportunity because the more awareness there is about um, sibling grief then Hopefully, the more supported people will feel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope that some of you out there got something from this podcast after listening to Maven speak so lovingly about her sister and um, the wonderful sibling grief club that has been set up in her memory. I'm sure that it will be a, a lot of help to a lot of people. Remember to keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye. And I hope you join us next time for our podcast. 
from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com. 